Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood. Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. This new contract here at Arsenal, but what made you so sure that this was the best place and this was the right decision for you? It's Arsenal, you know. Come on, it's Arsenal. Welcome back to the We Have Missed You. And I'll, I know, I, I fucking, I can't, even, I can't remember how I do the intro. <laughs> Welcome back to We Have Missed You, an Arsenal podcast with Alexander Madipedi, my very good friend. <laughs> Bramley Apples. We're back in the building, baby. We're back in the building. It's been so long, I forgot how to do the introduction. Bradley? Alex. It feels good to say those words again. It's a good day. Saturday the 14th of January. United just slapped City. Arsenal at top of the league. And on this day in 2016, Bradley, Mohamed Elneny signed for Arsenal. <laughs> so it's time to return to... Things you didn't know about Mohamed Elneny. <laughs> this is just the greatest hits episode. It's, it's the greatest hits episode. Welcome back. To the different knock and Arsenal podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we've been away. We've been away since uh, August, I think, on the podcast. Um, end of August. So a lot has happened. We hope you're doing well. Happy New Year and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You can still say that in the middle of January. Um, but we're back. We are back with a bang. Uh, we're back. This is a sort of, I guess, catch up podcast. Um, there's no game to discuss. We're just here to sort of discuss all the latest news. Check in, say hello, see how you're all doing. Um, and yeah, Brad, how are you? I mean, we've just been chatting for half an hour about that, but how are you, you know, for the listeners? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Thank you, my friend. Um, 
we're winning the league. Wipe that smile off your face, man. <laughs> like the Cheshire Cat. I know. We're back to FA conspiracies against Arsenal. Um, yeah. PGMOL chats. I get to call David Coots a nonce. Uh, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's so many, there's so many things to, to smile about. Yeah. So much to get to. So much to get to. We will start... Uh, I think it's probably best to start with some sort of... I've got sort of general catch-up, but I mean, how do you catch up the last couple of months? I mean, it's absolutely insane. Um, We are, I think, now five points clear of City with a game in hand. Could go eight points clear tomorrow if we beat uh, Spurs. I mean, sum up the last couple of months for you as an Arsenal fan. How have you found it? How have you been, uh, been following it? And... It, it sort of beggars belief. I, I'm just, sort, I'm sort of having a, a weird moment here where I'm going. I'm looking at our our recording uh, hub thing here, thinking of all those times, thinking of those times when you know post Everton when that Damari got Damari Gray goal went in and you called for Arteta's head. Um, and and uh, there's about of, six times that we can refer back to the where I called for Arteta's head, my friend. Think, thinking to that Wolves game where David Luiz and Bernd Leno got sent off. You know, all those sorts of times. We are living in the future, baby, and it feels good. Um, but yeah, talk to me. It feels just as unreal as the, sh- the the shit times. Like, it doesn't feel like it's actually real life. Um, I keep waiting for the wheels to fall off, and I keep waiting to kind of wake up and have this all be some kind of weird dream. Uh, but it's not. Um, it's It's been crazy. We've only, we've dropped points in three out of... 17 games this season? Yep, something like that. I think I'm just looking at the table now, yeah. Uh, that's mental. That's honestly... And, and, you know, arguably, arguably, it was, what, a pigeon? <laughs> yeah. A dodgy VAR call and uh, and and Nick Pope's leg, pretty much, separating us from, yeah. from maximum points. So it, it, I think because we were so used to as Arsenal fans, not it's not mediocrity, but getting fourth, getting third, maybe getting a cup, that kind of run the 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 lows of of kind of the end of the Emery and beginning of Arteta era, and the highs of now the Arteta era, do not feel real. Like it like it feels like I'm when I look at the league table on my Sky Sports app, it feels like I'm looking at my Football Manager league table because we've not been in ch- we're we're currently if we're realistic, you know in charge of the title race right now. If this was Liverpool, and I'm not saying that we'll, we're going to do it, you know, anytime I do say that, that's always said with the pinch of, I, I don't know what's going to happen and City can go on, as we've seen, 20 game win streaks. He can win every game till the end of the season. Like we were in the title race in with, with Leicester and we've been in the title, but this is the first time as an adult that like we've been out in front and like we look, we are, we are the best team in the league right now. If you look at the way that we're playing, if you look at the people we're beating, uh, if you look at the way that we're doing it, and that's again just it's just leading to this sense of like it just doesn't doesn't feel it doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But that makes it feel even better. Like I'm, I'm now looking at you know we're 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 going to discuss it probably later the North London Derby and we'll be back with another episode after it but looking at that I'm now looking at that going ah oh, Tottenham are like 8th we should easily win that game even though we're going away 
even though it's Tottenham and Harry Kane's, you know, penalty bingo and all of that shit and the dodgy penalty decision in last last season's away fixture there, I'm not worried about any of that. There's, there's, it, and it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a very weird headspace to be in where I'm like, ah, we'll win. If it, I, I, I sort of, I'm with you. I feel sort of dazed and confused about, you know, coming back to this, to, to, to these conversations and, and and having to approach it in a very very different way and starting to talk about titles and starting to talk about all those things it feels a sort of a I don't know whether hyper normalization would be the right phrase but it, it it what happens is we very quickly get used to this but go back a year for Arsenal to be out in front five points clear being playing probably arguably certainly uh, certainly arguably the best football in the league and I would say the best football in the league um, is yeah it, it, it's a kind of it's a, it's a real trip. And I, I think this is a real testament to the, it is a buzzword, but the process that Arteta's put in, you know, I, when I talk about clubs at the moment, I have this real sense of, and, and actually all institutions, all institutions that are ever successful have to have, you know, in a football sense, it's, it's a, it's a style of play, but, uh, you know, a big corporation, it's a philosophy or what, you know, whatever it is, or, a, you know, a, a business model. Um, I'm reading an amazing book at the moment called uh, Stolen Focus by Johan Hari, which is all about how um, basically how oh, uh, we've... Have you read it? I've not read it, but I love Johan Hari. Johan Hari is a genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's an amazing storyteller. He talks all about... But it's, the, the latter half of the book is about how the technology that tech corporations have used to basically capture our attention and Twitter and all the technology that's come into it. But also the beginning is sort of about how how important attention and focus is. Anyway, he talks about, you know, Google, for example, they have such a strong business model of capturing your attention that everything flows from there. So every decision can be made with it. You know, there's a huge conversation around this, but every decision can be made basically going, well, what's going to make our users engage with their Gmail more? And that's kind of the problem of the book. But I do think it applies in this situation where essentially Mikel Arteta has come in and gone, this is how we're going to play. This is my style of football. This is exactly what I want to do. Um, and then everything flows from there. The transfer targets, the training practices, the 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 recruitment, the execution, the fitness regimes, the you know the what's required of every member of staff at the club. And when you have that clarity of vision, when you have that um, ability to come in and, and make such strong decisions and and follow through and, and be so uh, have such courage in your conviction. It follows that, well, it you know it usually follows that results come, and where and and then the question then becomes, what's the ceiling? Now I saw that all coming, and I felt as though you know I've been talk- I've spoke many times on this uh, on this on this uh, podcast about how I felt as though the the club was aligning, but then the question is what what the ceiling is, and then you begin to look at well you know the ceiling has got to be relative to City and Liverpool and all these sorts of things, and it's got to be you know maybe third, and I was you know hoping some years we could possibly try for the title. It, that could be the way things the way things pan out, but to be to be aware that that we can reach this level uh, it, so early on, especially with the players that we have or the ages that they have, uh, it's a truly truly exciting time to be an Arsenal fan, and it's been you know just from a kind of you know a, a, a massive overview, it's been an absolute joy. <laughs> it's an absolute yeah. joy to be, to, to be watching us play football at the moment and that's not always been the case and that is no. um, 
yeah, it's a privilege. It's a genuine privilege, and I and I and I always looked forward to Arsenal uh, playing every week, of course. But now it's like you know, it's pretty much the highlight of my week. It's you know, and that is what football's all about. We you know, we always, we yep. you can talk about transfer targets and the FA and the Spurs, and we'll get into that. But ultimately, it's it's entertainment, and at the mm. moment, it's entertaining. And I think you know, it's let's let's enjoy that while we can. If we look at what's happening in the Premier League right now as well, certain people aren't going to be around forever. The money will of Man City. But Guardiola's got a couple of years left on his contract. The same with, you know, look at what's happening to Liverpool this season and you wonder whether Klopp sticks around for much longer, especially if he isn't backed in the way that's going to require to, you know, completely reshape that midfield. There's no reason why we can't consistently be up there. And I think it was a fallacy last season. There were a lot of people talking about had, you know, the youngest team in the league reached their ceiling already as if we weren't going to continually get get to get better. And we're seeing now that for me, I don't see how there's a way down as in like, I can see other teams getting better and I can see other teams kind of equaling our level of performance and that making, you know, the title difficult or top three, top four, again, difficult. Because if you have City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United, all on form and us, and there's only four spots, you can see why that would make the the kind of scope and span of the league more difficult. But I don't think the question is now, are Arsenal going to get worse? I think it's now become how to match and how to get up to that level for other teams. Yeah, and that's the most exciting thing. Is the conversation is a, isn't about us being good anymore. The conversation is how can people match that, and when we're going into games, you're seeing that is, it's how can each of these teams stop us from doing what we want to do. Newcastle's plan was to stop us. You know, when we play Tottenham tomorrow, their plan will be to stop us from playing the football that we play. We are as one of our favourite men would love to say the protagonists and that yep chef's kiss and then it's you know it's about can we get better and can we sustain it but I agree with you I don't I don't see us dropping down from this level under this coach and this executive team so yeah and then it's about the context and and that's and that's always um that's always the way um oh god there's so much to get into uh let's let's do the mudrick thing hello uh, we recorded an entire podcast earlier, um, 20 minutes of which was uh, some incredible podcasting, I'd say, on our behalf, um, about Michaelo Mudrick. End of the call. Lovely stuff. Oh, I'll just check Twitter. Oh, he signed for Chelsea. <laughs> Potentially. Potentially. News has just come out. David Ornstein. Chelsea have reached an agreement with Shakhtar Donetsk for Michaelo Mudrik. 70 million euros plus 30 million in add-ons. Seven plus year contract agreed. Leaving Turkey for London to undergo medical. Not signed yet, but done deal. So it sounds like he's off to Chelsea. Um... Ben Jacobs has tweeted it's not finalised and I think he's also said that they ha- that, that, that the contract's been proposed but not agreed. Yep. And so, Arsenal, he says Arsenal's still in the race. So there's all sorts of conflicting information. It's a very fast moving thing. Um, and I've just reached my time limit on Twitter, which tells you, <laughs> which tells you something. Um, 
Okay, well, we had a whole discussion about Mudrick, um, which I th- I think still stands. I'd still leave it in. Yeah, because I think it's, it still I stands. I think it still stands, but, but this new information. This new information. So we, yes, we are now aware um, that Mudrick uh, is potentially off to Chelsea. Um, that's a shame. If if it goes through, clearly he was the player we wanted. Um, as I outline in the section in a second, I think there's a, there's something that Arteta uh, wants in a in a winger and I think Mudrick um, ticks a lot of those boxes ticks almost all of those boxes I think also Brad makes a great point about the package in that yes the fee um, is a significant fee but the actual overall package itself in terms of his wages depends what Chelsea are offering him I mean who knows but you know for us um, I don't think we'd be offering him crazy wages Um, I mean, there's a whole conversation about Chelsea that I'm not particularly armed to have. I just think they're absolutely all over the place and sort of firing on all cylinders and not really sure where they're going and panicking. Scattergun. They're just, they're, they've yeah. got a shotgun in their hands and they're firing at as many things as yeah. they can hit, but they seem to not be able to hit a barn door at the moment. The only part of this that I think, the, I think the two things that this changes from our, from our conversation is what we need now, um, which again, we... Well, it doesn't actually change what we need. It changes the personnel we're looking at. Um, I'm not necessarily equipped to have that conversation now. I'm, I trust the club to 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 get the scouting right and 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 have other other um, other situations. I think the financial being held to ransom thing mm-hmm. is a bit. I don't particularly buy. I think the overall package for a player of his potential and quality. Was probably overpaying, yeah, but not not by some ridiculous stretch. And I don't think it's you know, well, we weren't going to pay that. Ultimately, Chelsea just slightly outbid us, and you know, if we were just going to keep going, keep going, keep going, that would have been ridiculous. But I also think what we were paying was was okay. Um, and the second thing that it changes, I think, is is all, almost highlighting what we talk about again, which about his twerking for Arsenal, he's twerking for Bayer Leverkusen, and now very quickly it seems he's gone to the highest bidder with Chelsea. Um, which raises questions for me. Yes. I also think that for me, this is, uh, Arsenal fans are going to lose their mind over this. This is the point where I pull out of the deal completely. Um, because whilst the financial package, when we were the only club in for him, would, you know, apparently we had a contract agreed about two and a half million pounds a year about fifty thousand pounds a week uh i can imagine that because of the situation chelsea are in his agent have has has bent chelsea over a barrel and he'll be on double that now uh and to probably get him will have to offer comparative wages and i'm not interested in doing that um i think we're already we're already planning on outlaying a, a large large amount on the fee because the overall package at least looked good and the talent looked good but this is the point now where and this would be a different conversation if he'd refused to talk to Chelsea. Yeah. If he refused to talk to Chelsea, said only going to Arsenal, um, even if Chelsea's bid got accepted, fine. We there's still room for a deal here. But the fact that there's talk that he's flying to Turkey for talks and for a medical, this is the point where I pull out now. We are the Arsenal. We are a massive football club, and I don't want anyone here that isn't fully committed to being here and doesn't yeah. have eyes for here. We and doesn't recognise the, the opportunity that he's got here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We pull Gabriel Jesus from Man City, from a champion of, of, 
of England and Champions League club to come and play Europa League football with us. We don't need to overbid anymore and stoop for these players. The reason that he is going to Chelsea is because of the money. They are languishing in 10th. They have no clear vision for the way forward currently. They have, if you look at the amount of talent that they have on their wings and the amount of players that they have in those front three positions, does he start? Maybe. Yep. Does he, does, it's money. It Money will have played a big factor in this and the opportunity to obviously get out of Ukraine and to play, and to play in London. You know, Chelsea are also yeah, a big yeah. club. I'm not denying that. But if you are interested and want to play for the Arsenal, you have to be committed enough to, to turn other people down for us. Yep. But you're not. So this is, this is genuinely the point now where I'm, I'm out this, you know, it's, it's January 14th. We have 17 days left of the, of the window. If we didn't have a second choice, we're fucking stupid. Um, we need to move on now from literally this second. I don't want to hear that we've matched the bid and got our bid accepted. I don't want to hear that we've matched personal terms, whatever his talent level, his mentality is not in the right place to play for us. Um, I think I'd pull out for different reasons. Uh, I think I'd pull out, well, but part, not necessarily for that. I think I'd add certain reasons to that. Just that it's, it's get, you know, we're then getting into the, a bidding war with Chelsea and it's, it, that's the point that I'm pulling out ra- rather than the, the, um, the, me- the mentality thing plays a part, I think. But, but yeah, I mean, RIP Amari Hutchinson. <laughs> um, the, yeah, I mean, I suppose what it does do is it shows that we have a lot of money to spend, which sort of weakens our... I, I, th- I, I think we should basically go, look, we've been negotiating for this long. These people have come in. Your player cl- player wants to, on some level, wants to come to us. Here is the maximum that we're paying, and that's it. We are not going to get into a bidding war. And if he goes there, he goes there. That's the position I'd go with. And then I'd say, you know, we might have to overpay for another winger this window because it may well be that we, you know, if, if that's what we're doing, if we're, if we're going for, you know, possibly go back for Rafinha... Um, from you know, or you know, whether it's Pedro Neto we go back to, or or whoever it is, um, we do need a winger. I just worry now we look like we've got a lot, a lot of money to spend. But Shakhtar have, have played a blinder really from their perspective. Go in the low market. Um, yeah, I could go in the low go market. Go to the low I'd... market. Um, but that's that's Barcelona not always. Are apparently, an looking to offload Ferran Torres, Rafinha, and Ansu Fati. Apparently, all three of them are up for grabs. Go and offer them a loan with a with a good option to buy. Ferran Torres obviously did well at City. Bring him in for for the six months, and then either spend the six months training him and see if see if he can be what we need him to be, or spend the six months scouting other people. There, there's always more talent. We lost out on Vlahovic and ended up with Jesus. We lost out on Locatelli, and look at what Locatelli's doing now. You know, we have to be. This is why. You're not, unless Mudrik is willing to accept the same salary that we had offered him, which is reportedly two and a half million pounds or euros. I'm not sure which, which currency, and we can get him for the maximum fee that we're willing to pay. I don't want him. And even even the problem is, is that the the suspicions of about his his twerking and mentality have been confirmed. The first pretty girl to walk past, he has run to because it presented an opportunity. Um. And that could become a problem later down the line 
if, as, and when we're trying to sell or if, as, and when a big club, if a big club like a Real Madrid comes in. We don't want to be 18 months into this guy's contract, have Madrid come in. He's only been here for 18 months and he's handing yeah, in he's, transfer requests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's, this is exactly the type of, this This is exactly the type of mentality that we've tried to kick out of the club with Aubameyang and with players who have consistently agitated for moves before. Just because he's young, it doesn't mean that this doesn't present a problem. And there was a perfect opportunity for him to prove us all wrong and he's failed it. He's going to talk to Chelsea. That's absolutely fine. Let him go and languish at Chelsea. I'm more than happy to move on. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll work out for him at Chelsea. I can't, I can't sit, I can't see a, you know, a long-term relationship there. That is a, that is a, it's a mercenaries club. Um, okay. Well, I think, I think our discussion still holds water, so it will still stay in. I'll put the time mm-hmm. code to skip to in the uh, in the description if you want to skip past the whole Madrid thing because we're talking about him from the perspective of Arsenal. Um, but yeah, we just needed to 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 jump in and, and say something. Uh, hello from the future, welcome back, Alex from the past. I'm gonna I'm going to use a thread that I found on Twitter from someone that I won't mention. <laughs> Uh, but it's essentially entitled a thread of all the common sense problems with the Michaelo Mudrick deal. Um, and I, th- I just feel like it's a good jumping off point to, to discuss the Mudrick thing. Uh, I'm I'm sure everyone listening knows this, but Michaelo Mudrick, Shakhtar Donetsk, looks like it's happening. Looks like it could be you know 70 million euros plus 20 for um, for for add-ons and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I, ju- I just think it's a it's a it's a good jumping off point. So the first point of this thread says it's not common sense to pay top dollar for a player who still needs coaching and time to be the best version of themselves. So here comes point one about the, the Mudrick thing for me. Jumping off of that 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 sort of context point that we were just talking about just now, we can't mm-hmm. say to ourselves that other clubs can go out and spend a hundred million pounds on Grealish or, you know, whether it's, you know, whether Liverpool go and drop, you know, 85 million pounds on, on Bellingham or whatever, or, you know, United dropping a hundred million on Anthony Chelsea spending in the way that they, they are and expect Arsenal to exist in a different financial space to everyone else and also compete it, mm-hmm. it doesn't those th- those those things don't add up we have to at some point start spending at the level and you know at the moment it looks like the ownership are ready to st- sort of take us to that next level it always looked like that way actually if you look at the, the full context of the conky ownership we're looking at a, a, an ownership team that looks like once they got full control they were willing to invest a significant amount and you know our, our spending is not exactly on par but it's on par with our you know, with our, you know, the likes of Chelsea and Spurs and United and all these, all these, uh, not quite United, but, you know, we're, we're in the same conversations, at least as those people. And I think there's two points here. Firstly, you know, spending that amount of money on a player feels alien for Arsenal because it's not been the way we've done it. But if we want to compete, that may be the case sometimes that we have to spend that type of money on, on players. And if we're going to trust anyone in the history of Arsenal Football Club, Arteta has to be in those conversations to be the person who's to green light a conversation about about talent. We've seen his record, you know, especially can, can a winger, we, especially a especially winger. a winger. You know, if if Arteta thinks this guy's worth it, 
who are we as fans? Who are who is this person who I won't mention? No new thing. Sorry. Um, who you know? Who is this person to say that 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 isn't the right thing to do? And secondarily, the point about well, you shouldn't pay top dollar for us for someone who hasn't you know fulfilled their potential yet. That's that's what you're paying for. That's what you're paying. That's that's what Man City are paying for with with Grealish. That's what Man United are paying for with Anthony. If we were trying to sign a proven player like Lewandowski, they're on the other side. You know, the the point is you're you're signing something that you can mold, something you can shape. You're signing mm. the potential, and that's where the the funding comes from. So you can't detach. Mm. I don't think the money side of things and the potential side of things. That's what we're signing. And if the, and then if we look at the potential, we're saying someone like Roberto De Zerbi is saying this guy's a future Ballon d'Or winner. I think De Zerbi is a fantastic manager. I trust his I trust his instincts. From what I've seen, you know, the potential is definitely there and we'll get into what, what Madrid can kind of do in, in just a moment. But I, I just think it's a really bizarre point to make to say that you shouldn't be spending superstar money on not a superstar player because name me a player who is a guarantee. There is no one who's a guarantee. You no just have one to in look world football the, is a guarantee. Any player that's gone over £100 million. Pounds. When, when Mbappe moved to PSG, everyone thought he would become the best player in the world. And he he's a sensational footballer. There was always a chance that the kid does his ACL, loses his pace, and never fulfills the potential. Um, João Felix has gone from moving for over £100 million to now a six-month loan deal to wait out the rest of Simeone's contract. Um, Kai Havertz, you know, cost Chelsea £70 million, rising to £90 million, which is, you know, equatable to maybe this Mudrick deal. And that potential has gone to waste. There's always a risk the potential goes to waste. But there's a reason that these players cost the money that they cost, and that's because... I think it it depends on on the way that you look at the transfer, and that this is the only bit of kind of credit I'll I'll give no new thing ever. Who? If you're looking at this, if you're looking at this signing as the Arsenal are spending ninety million euros to win the title this season, um, I think you're looking at the signing wrong. But I think that's where I would agree. If you're looking at spending ninety million euros to win a title you probably want to bring in somebody who's ready to hit the ground running a little more. Especially when it comes to the fact that, for me, I think Mudrik uh, has played a very different type of football and, and the best aspects that we've seen have, have kind of been his explosiveness in behind rather than his ability to play in and around the box in the way that we do. But this isn't going to be the only time we want to be up there trying to win a title. And you have to buy assets that you believe you can mould into those things. We could probably go out and spend less money on a player who could come in and have a bit more of an impact in the short term. But what has short-termism ever brought Arsenal Football Club? Yeah. Nothing. That's how we got yep. stuck with, with Willian. That's how we got stuck with... with Kim Kallstrom for six months on loan and Socrates and all of these players, you know, that's, that's, yep. that's what it is. And if we have to sacrifice winning the title this season, but we get an absolute nine out of 10 worldie who then we can rotate with our other nine, 10 out of 10 worldies in Saka and Martinelli on the wings for the next eight seasons, 
It's yeah. worth the sacrifice because we will be more successful in the long term than we would in the short term by taking this 90 million and, you know, bringing in players who are ready to um, ready to hit the ground running now. But the problem with also those players who are quote unquote ready to hit the ground running now is there's never a guarantee. There's never a guarantee with any fucking I th- transfer. I th- exactly. And that's exactly my point. And I think you also make a really astute point about, um, about you know, signing someone. So say, you know, for example, a Pedro Neto or whatever it is. Okay, yeah, maybe they come in. Yes, okay, possibly. I, I actually don't think they would but possibly they make a bigger impact or they're more ready to, to hit the ground running now or, or whatever it is. But again, it's that short-termism thinking of, oh, we've got to go for the title this season. Okay, what if City put together 15 wins? What could, <laughs> you know, on the bounce? Like, what, what, what could we do at that point? You know, So we can never think that way. And I think Mudrick has more than enough in his boots to come off the bench and give us, give us a lot, especially during the latter end of the season. So um, it sort of comes on to the next point that he makes. He says... Um, uh, expected to immediately help the team but is not even in season will naturally need time to be physically ready at the level of intensity we play at that's true of every player there's <laughs> no point not signing a player because it's you know because they're because they they need a couple of weeks to adapt that's true of every single player so you know there's a non-argument for me non-starter you also don't know how fit he is like you don't exactly. the guy could have gone exactly. away and stayed completely match fit for the whole of the off season that he could be physically ready to come in and, and, and make an impact now you don't know. No one knows. It sounds as though he's very ready for this deal to happen. It sounds as though he's, it says, you know, he's apparently raring to start against Manchester United. And, um, you know, he, it looks as though he's someone who who can come in and possibly be be ready within a couple of games. Um, and again, every single player is going to come in and, and take a little while to adapt to the team. It's, it's a non-starter. The thing mm-hmm. he makes a point about, which I... Well, two two parts that I don't necessarily disagree with are about he's only played three and a half thousand minutes. He's from the Ukrainian league. Point one. Okay. Um I think that's down to a talent question. Um I think you can sure, okay, you know, there's a there's a there's a question about the league he's played in, but we've seen him against Real Madrid in the Champions League. He's he's clearly at the level when he plays in the Champions League. Um, there's always mm. going to be a question of level. And Fastest it's, it's player. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he's he's clearly physically at the level um, and technically, you know, he looks good. But yes, of course, there's going to be an adaptation there. But again, I come back to it. This is Arteta's, this is Arteta's talent ID and, and I just think it's mental to be going, nah. <laughs> when, you look at his, when you look at his ability, especially, as you said, with wingers. Um, the Martinelli, the tw- six million pounds from the Brazilian third division. Like, as in, and I don't, and that wasn't, I, that wasn't an Arteta signing. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't even a, an Edu signing. I'm pretty sure that was Raul. But you look at that signing and you go, just because a player is coming from a league, and Martinelli definitely took his time to get up to speed, but was also younger than, than Madrid. Just because a player is coming in from a league and hasn't played hundreds of thousands of minutes that we can quantify by all of these stats it gets to a point where if people who are good at their jobs are saying that they're willing to spend this much money on somebody there is a reason that they're willing to spend that much we have not exactly there were other players that we could have gone for a la Ossiman over Gabriel Jesus or bigger fancier signings James Madison over Erdegaard for bigger money 
that we could have, but but you have to understand that if they are willing to spend the money on this kind of person, there is a reason. And we don't know that because we're, we're not at the club and we don't have access to their, the, their data analysts, to their no, scouting is, systems. He is. He's at the club. Um. <laughs> he is Stan Kroenke. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the, the twerking for Arsenal thing... Uh, I love it and hate it. Well, because supposedly he did it for Bayer Leverkusen. And I think I do see, I feel as though this could come back to bite us. I don't think yeah. Leopards change their spots that quickly. Um, if, a, if a Real Madrid player comes calling, perhaps he'd act differently at a different club, I don't know. But I just think it's like that thing of, you know, it's like anything really you know if if you're if you're agitating for a move from a from a certain club that publicly and making it very very obvious that you're you're wanting that move to happen i think you can you can do that internally you can do that in in conversations mm-hmm. and clearly Sha- like you know look shaktar i don't think mudrick putting public pressure on them is making any difference in the negotiations Mudrick could could say to Arsenal in those conversations, could say to Shakhtar in those negotiations, I want to move. It could come out with Fabrizio. People could know that. And then Arsenal have that sort of, you know, by the way, your player does want to come to us. So, you know, we're going to knock an extra five million off or what, you know, whatever that, whatever you think that value has. So I find it bizarre that he's doing that a bit and especially the, the repetitive nature of it. The fact that he keeps doing it. He hasn't just done it, you know, once or whatever that, that, that's actually searching for it me. as well. Yeah, it does concern me. Um, maybe it's maybe it's you know he's a twenty two year old guy and you know perhaps it will he'll grow out of it a little bit. But I just think if you're that type of person who, you know, he's been at Shakhtar for you know however many years now. He went on loan. You know, he went on loan to a um, to to a Arsenal Kiev. Do you know that? Um, uh, so he's already played for Arsenal. You know, he's been at Shakhtar for. Uh, since 2016 you know so this is a club he's you know spent years and years and years at it's a club that he's currently in the middle of a horrific situation with geopolitically I just think come on mate I don't know there's something off about it yeah my problem about it is say for example we sign him for the the 70 million let's just let's take the 70 million euros about 65 million quid right let's, we'll ignore the add-ons because we we as a fan base don't know what those add-ons are for like they could be if he wins the ballon d'or they get an extra 20 million whatever we don't know that um so let's take the 65 million no, we euros do. 65 <laughs> we million pounds right we know we know all these things. we do we know these <laughs> things we know all these things we know all these things and that's why you should listen to the different knock podcast um the only problem is pr- price point then if he starts agitating for a move to Real Madrid get I think he would have had to have been an unbelievably special player for us to then be demanding what we would probably want from Real Madrid to cover that we probably want to try and make a profit and at 65 million pounds then you're asking Real Madrid for kind of 85 90 million pounds getting that kind of money from a club is difficult especially if the player is 
agitating for a move again. So I worry from a financial kind of point that we put ourselves in a in a slightly dangerous position with a player who's already shown that he's willing to agitate for moves by investing so heavily. If we're spending a little less on him, I'm less worried because I, I, I feel like at least we can get our investment and some profit back. But if he goes down to kind of three years left on his contract and starts agitating for a move to Madrid, and we know that that kind of clock is ticking, I then start to worry about whether we kind of place ourselves in a bit of a situation financially where we're basically just asking for our money back on a player that we've then moulded. Um, but we have to trust in the club and in the regime that they will be able to, one, mould him into a player that that is worth 70, 80, 90 million pounds, and two, that will keep his head on straight so that he doesn't, and will be successful enough so that he doesn't uh, want to or have to move to these to these other clubs. Yep. Um, the final point he makes, and and the thing I wanted to come to finally on Modric was uh, <laughs> he says it's not common sense to see. Well, well, firstly he says it's not common sense to see the potential of a top player and a player and then pay the price for that potential. Well, you don't have a choice if you're signing a player with. <laughs> It's non-starter of a conversation. It's also not common sense to see a Thierry Henry prototype alternative in the market who would not cost that much more and who is available to you should you want him and go for a Leroy, Leroy Sane type prospect. It is insanity, actually. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Rafael Leal. It's regardless. The point is, is what does Mikel Arteta, and this is what, what people misunderstand. What does Mikel Arteta want from his wingers? What does he want from them? He wants ball carrying. Tick for Mudrick. He wants someone who can receive in wide areas. Tick for Mudrick. He wants someone who can stay wide. Tick for Mudrick. He wants someone who has good technical level. Tick for Mudrick. He wants someone with aggression and ball, and ball striking and, as I say, ball carrying. All ticks for Mudrick. He wants someone who, I think, in terms of this... Uh, and I've got a video coming out about this. Uh, if you He wants someone who can be a kind of level raiser for Arsenal. And if Mudrick gets to the type of player that we expect him to be, definite tick. He's a definite, you know, potential sort of Alexis Sanchez-y type, you know, someone who can come on and just win win games sort of single-handedly on his own. His combination play is really, really impressive. I've been watching a lot of his combination play. So it's not about whether there's a great player on the market. There's hundreds of great players on the market. The point is, and the reason Mikel Arteta has had success, is specific specificity in profiles. That's what we're talking about here. It's not about, oh, this player's like Thierry Henry. Why, why can't we just get Henry back? Because Henry was more of an inside forward. He was someone who, you know, sort of played a little bit more in, in that channel. He sort of played a little bit more centrally. Mudrik won't be doing that. You know, Henri was sort of the, the man who received the final ball. Whereas I think Arteta sees Mudrik as someone who might be playing that final ball or possibly combining in the build-up to a, you know, slide or cutback or whatever, as well as someone who can take shots from outside the box, which is something we need. All these sorts of things. He, he's a different type of player. So when I'm looking at what Arteta wants from a from a winger, or what he appears to want, you know, this is, you know, we're, this is all conjecture, right? But what he appears to want, you know, based on what he's got in terms of Sacra Martinelli, Mudrik fits that role completely. It's also, in my opinion, a bit of a myth that he's only left-sided. He's played on the right. Um, 
I'm, he's a left he's a left-sided winger no problem um but he he definitely has played on the right and can, I think can and and will um I'm really excited about it I'm really excited about the move I think as you said earlier someone who you know f- for this for this f- for this executive structure with their track record to be spending this kind of money to be negotiating this hard in January for a player uh considering you know possibly they might think well if we leave it another six months he might be going to a he might be going to Real Madrid or something we've got to sort of move in quickly um I I think it's a really really exciting move and I'm really excited to see it happen mm-hmm. um and I think it's probably that central midfield and a left-sided center back um are our sort yeah. of last three big big slots for me um possibly a right back but um but this is definitely one of the big big holes um for me uh so yeah i'm 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 more than excited about this move oh, mate absolutely and the thing that you comparing footballers like you say especially when they're trying to do two two completely different roles is is foolish but there's one massive point that we're missing uh, and it's been reported around that we probably i think it's around two two and a half million euros a year madrid would earn at arsenal that's nothing and when you look at the, the, the cost and the value of a transfer, Anthony, for example, it. cost 100 million euros. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'd, mate, I'd take it in a fucking heartbeat, mate. God, Christ, could you imagine? Um, Anthony cost 100 million euros and is also on, so about 85 million pounds and is on 200,000 pounds a week. If you extrapolate just Mudrick's wage... That he would reportedly being a uh, reportedly be earning at Arsenal versus Anthony's across, like if you extrapolate that across a five year contract, it's a it's over a forty million pound saving. Yeah, yeah, it's big, and that is big. And then when you consider Rafael Liao, I think he's on a reported hundred hundred and twenty thousand pounds a week already to get him out of the Serie A, Serie A, you know, winners. That's going to probably take. 100 maybe 120 million pound fee especially in january when they're trying to you know keep themselves in the champions league keep themselves winning titles and then you're probably going to look to double his wage maybe maybe one and a half times what he's earning 180,000 200,000 pounds a week so it's you're talking package. about having a player on 50k a week versus 200k a week you have to take those things into consideration when looking at these players. The financial viewpoint of these two deals are completely different. Mudrick is wholly cheaper by by so much, has the potential, and also isn't going to come in and immediately uh, demand to start over players like Gabriel Martinelli, Bukayo Saka, Eddie Nketiah, and Gabriel Jesus, all of which have earned their place in the pecking order. He also, Brad, looks like he got that dog in him. Dog in him. <laughs> also, it's not your money. So it's all you fucking accountants out there. Shut up. Right, Brad, we're going to have a break. We'll come back uh, with more after this. 
geez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Your defense is in trouble and get you in the room. To the second half. Is that a Jamaican accent? Please never do that again. Uh, have, you um, not seen, have you not seen the video? No. Oh, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Okay. I'll send it to you uh, later. About, Just cut that bit out so I don't sound like a racist. <laughs> no, that's staying in. Welcome back to the second part <laughs> of the uh, <laughs> of the different knock and Arsenal podcast. Uh, it's not quite news, news, news. It's not news and news this week because um, uh, you know, there's no no real structure to this. But I do want to say we have two uh, Patreon tiers now. I want to talk you through this. So we have two tiers. Firstly, we have the uh, let me just get. I should have. What I should have done is I should have gone on Patreon and looked this up beforehand rather than trying to make it up on the fly. But here we go. So there's two tiers. There's a different video content, which is ad free main videos uh, with exclusive bonus content. Ooh, and Patreon only match preview videos for every game or for just £3 a month. So that's your Different Knock video content. If you're a fan of the Different Knock uh, YouTube channel, uh, head over to that and subscribe to that Patreon. You get bonus content. As I say, exclusive to Patreon, match video, uh, match preview videos, um, and just, you know, love for less than a coffee a month. And then we have the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast tier, which is ad-free main podcasts, exclusive bonus podcasts um, during the week where you get to hear even more of Bradley and myself. And uh, also the Patreon only instant reaction. We'll have an instant reaction for you out for the Spurs game tomorrow. Hopefully screaming about how shit Harry Kane is. So that's three pounds a month as well. So there's two Patreon tiers. If you're interested, please uh, in signing up, please do help support the show. Help support me and Bradley helps us through these <laughs> tricky times. <laughs> but if you know, it would be nice, please. God. Um, right. <laughs> Let's do this. Um, Let's do it. FA charges. That was my next on my uh, <laughs> my list. This is what I. This is what happens, listeners. I'll just say FA charges, and I'll press the Go Bradley rant button. Three, two, one. Uh, David Coots is a nonce. Um, okay. That, uh, I just Bradley. We're trying no, to become a professional uh, podcast here. You've used the word nonce twice. In fact, you used it within the first minute of the podcast. I know. I'm trying I to know. make this a real... I'm, um, trying to, get... I'm trying my best here. <laughs> Stop saying nonce on my podcast. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, it's, uh, I, I don't even want to rant about it. It's just boring. It's just boring. Like It's just claiming for a handball. Which was a fucking handball. I'd understand if it wasn't, and we were just being dickheads. But we weren't. Get over yourselves. This is the problem. The FA, PGMOL, and referees see themselves as impregnable. They see themselves as these godlike creatures who can do no wrong. So when people, especially because, you know, we haven't we've been vocal previously as as a fan base, as players about 
the shit that some of these refs get up to on a football pitch, we get fined for it. But, you know, they are unfortunately creating a rod for their own back in that football is so accessible in the modern age that now people are just going to start tweeting them and showing them every single time a similar thing happens in another game and they will be expected to um, to follow course. Sorry, I think my dog's just come in the room. Hello. Um, they'll be expected to follow course and follow suit and they will have to do that or the club will have recourse to probably sue them and not pay because from a legal standpoint, especially because with video evidence, you can prove that other, other football teams are conglomerates. They're, 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 they're companies. And if you can prove that other companies have their employees doing this and aren't facing the same repercussions, you open yourself up to, to, to legal recourse. And so they're only going to cause themselves issues in the long run. And I would not be surprised if, for example, United aren't fined for the game against City, if City aren't fined, and if the, if it, if a situation happens tomorrow and Tottenham aren't fined, or they will open themselves up to a very big dialogue to legal action, and then it could really fuck up the whole system they've got in place because they they very much balance on a knife edge because clubs could easily just band together and say okay well get fucked we'll fund refereeing programs and we'll we'll take you out of the game he didn't want to rant about it because they're the ones with the money they're the they're the ones with the power didn't want to rant about it he didn't want to rant about it <laughs> um no i mate i i, I don't disagree with a lot of what you say um i just think i think you're you're making a stupid point in that it sets a precedent. It's similar to in a game, isn't it? It's like, you know, the, 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 was it the Newcastle game where he set the yellow card limit just way too soon and way oh. too low. So you set a problem. It's like, okay, fine. If you're going to charge Arsenal for doing that, cool. Here's 15 other examples from this weekend of the exact same thing happening. And then it just becomes a, a farce. So it's about setting standards and about precautions and protocols and, Look, they're not perfect. They're, I understand it. And, you know, it's a very complicated thing trying to officiate um, uh, such intense and, and high-value games. And, and, and I have sympathy with the referees. But ultimately, their main job is consistency. You know, so as long... Like, really, it's about consistency and, and applying those rules consistently across the board. And if they can't do that, they're not fit for purpose and, and there needs to be a different solution. Now, that's a very radical answer i think it's more about reform and it looks like they're doing that you know with howard webb coming in and all those sorts of things but i just think there's so much antipathy and sensitivity around all these sorts of things of var and pgmol and the fa and every single every couple of weeks there's a sort of you know huge backlash against something from some club by someone um that it just it there needs it feels like we're kicking a can down the road in a bad relationship <laughs> do you know what i mean like just sort of going like <laughs> too close to home um you know so sort of <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'll delete that <laughs> maybe best because i don't know who's listening okay 
It feels like we're uh, <laughs> redacted. Um, <laughs> it feels like we're kicking the... Can I keep it in? It's funny. Um, so yeah, keep it in. Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah, keep yeah. it in. Um, it feels like we're kicking the can down the road. <laughs> you know, right, let's move on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, 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 um, uh, Arsenal released a new stadium wrap uh, oh, preview. Yeah. I don't love it. I'm, I, I think love, I might be in the minority. There's a couple of them. There's a couple of them I really enjoy. Like I like the I like the Highbury facade one. I like the one where they have I think it's the the Invincibles next to the treble or quadruple women's team winners. I like that one. Um and I but there's for I, I'm not a big fan of the one where it's just like all the flags. I think that's a bit lazy. There's some cool artwork. Um and you know, I, I quite like the fact there's no current players. Like, it's clearly like a, a hark to the past. I just think it looks a little... Uh, there's just something about it that feels a little bit... Uncoordinated. It feels like... A, it feels a little bit like an art project, which it is. Do you know what I mean? And it's like a load of art, which I, I don't mind. And it's cool. And I think, it, you know, whatever. But it doesn't feel like a, a sort of a cohesive look no so i don't i don't necessarily dislike any of the individual bits i would say i'd agree with you the flag one feels a little bit it's a lot of colors that it's not very nice to look at to be honest it's quite a lot um i think it was another way of including the international community without doing that it feels as you say a little bit quick and not necessarily lazy but you know just a little bit sort of done um li- do you know what it feels like it feels like they've gone oh the hybrid moment's great the Victor the the cannons of Victoria Concordia Crescent is great. You know, having the invincibles and the the you know the, the real really successful men's team and the really successful women's team, great. Welcome to North London, home of the Arsenal. Perfect. It feels like all of them fit in the themes, and they went, "Fuck, we've got to do one more. What do we do?" Yeah, just get all the flags. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, Shakhtar just tweeted the eyes emoji. I'm on strings here. Let me um, let me get off Twitter. I was trying to find the the, the artwork. Um, also, Brighton are two 0 up against Liverpool. Against um, oh Liverpool. yes, yes, get in. We're winning the league. Um, yeah, I look. You know, there's probably a reason we weren't invited to the uh, to the launch because we <laughs> say say this kind of stuff. But you know, credit to the club in in the sense that they are clearly mm. investing in the city and they're investing in connecting with supporters. They clearly did their homework. And, you know, I listened to the Arsenal Vision podcast, which was um, great about all this. It was talking about how they did, you know, fan forums and spoke to all sorts of fan communities and asked what they wanted and really listened and genuinely start with a blank page, which is really great. I don't love the end product, but I do love the initiative. I do love the um, uh, the the desire to connect with fans uh, on that level and, and, and to include us. Um, so so fair enough before we take some listener questions to finish out the podcast Bradley let's talk about tomorrow the North London Derby um, North London Derby do we go near Mr Antonio Conte's comments no tell you what um, we'll do I'll tell you what we'll do we won't I'll, go I'll near them uh, he's a... we won't go near them but I'll just play this I made mistakes in the past on the touchline, yes, 
I will make less, but I think I will still make a few. What never happened to me and will never happen is to be suspended for match fixing. That never happened to me and will never happen. So he can say what he wants, but that is a fact. Yeah. And Especially about respect. If you're making comments, and also it's, I mean, the the hypocrisy is dripping. But let's not get let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. We've done enough done no, enough complaining we're just about breeze people past in this it. episode already. We're gonna breeze past it. The bold man can go fuck himself. Um, North London derby. I'm feeling very confident for an away North London uh, yeah. derby. Um, I think team wise we have everyone. I think Saka's okay from the from the kicking he received on Monday. Um, obviously, I was about to, I was about to say you never know in Mudrick, but it's not gonna happen. Um, the he missed the deadline. It was midday today. Right. I feel. Well, you never know. I feel there's a plane outside my window, Brad. Who knows? Who knows where that's headed? Who knows who's on could it? Be, could be Mudrick. Yeah. Um. Someone will be tracking it. So I want to get my IP address and work out the exact window that that I'm looking out of and which which plane I would have been looking at at a specific time or whatever. <laughs> and it'll have been um, Jan and Via's plane. Yeah. <laughs> Sol- it's Solomon Kalu driving it. Um, yeah. So look, yeah, I've n- I don't think I've ever been so confident moving into a North London derby. Spurs this season are the prime example of playing absolutely turgid, dreadful football, getting bailed out by singular moments by one of the best strikers this Premier League's ever seen. And then afterwards, all the narrative being, well, you know, it's just not quite clicked for Spurs today. No, it's not quite clicked for Spurs at all. You know, even in the early days of Arteta, if you go back and watch the Bournemouth game that Arteta coached, we were compact, we were clear. We, we weren't right. We didn't have the right personnel. But he managed to get Ozil, Lacazette and Aubameyang on the pitch. And we looked like a compact, decent team who were difficult to break down. I mean, like, that's within a couple of games. Antonio Conte has had however much time. And he's and he's saying, he was saying that Arteta's had four years. Firstly, learn to count. Secondly, with the same players, which just isn't true. Objectively not true. You can't. You can't on the one hand say we've spent loads of money and on the other hand say we've had the same players, so that's how it works. And thirdly, I think the 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 way they play this sort of abandoning of the central midfield area and uh, reliance on the wide wide areas is so transparent, it's so obvious, it's so for me easy to break down, it's so boring to watch that if we turn up, if we if the you know, if we're if we're smart, if we're careful with the referees, which I think we need to be, considering what's been going on recently, I don't see a problem. I really don't see a problem. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, Son bang out of form, and now I've said that he'll score a hat trick. Um, they've, you know, they they're still struggling with with their right wing backs. I don't, you know, I just, I don't see. I think if Arsenal play to the best of their abilities and Spurs play to the best of their abilities, there's such a mismatch now. There's such a mismatch. If you if you were to do a combined eleven, I think one player this season gets in the Arsenal squad, and that's Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
You're talking about one to eleven. Like yep. one player gets in. Romero doesn't get in over over either of our centre backs currently. Um, ben White has been the best right back in the league. Um, I'd take Zinchenko and Tierney over whoever they've got at left wing back. Either or. I don't even know who it is. Their central midfield options are Hoiberg and then different versions of Hoiberg. <laughs> Hoiborg? Uh, who, Hoiberg? Who have, Hoiberg? Who have they got that passes the ball? Benton Core? But like, even then, it's not like he's a massive volume passer who's excellent at breaking lines. They have no combinations in the interior. He's not. I mean, they they just they just no. get it to the wide areas and cross it in, or give it to Harry Kane, who's and has to he has to do two man's jobs. So I, I I really I really you know of course this is going to come back and bite us, and we're going to be sat here on. They're going to be up for it. They're going to be up for it. They're at ah. home. But yeah, I don't. See, I'm not. I'm not seeing problems. I'm really not. Um, because I don't think their defenders and their defence and their pressing is good enough to do what Newcastle did to us. Um, yep. And I don't think that their attacking options are coached well enough to hurt us in the way that other teams have previously. And I think that... I'm, I just... I don't see... I, I, previously, like especially last season when we were away there at the end of the season, we were having injury issues and whatever. And I was still like, oh, it's a bit 50-50. But I... I don't see unless there's some real fucking ridiculous decisions and a lot of luck how this game pans out in a positive way for Tottenham. I really yep. don't. And that is a mad place to be in. There you go. Uh, let's do some listener questions. Let's do it. What does your dog think? He's heard, he's heard fucking... Yeah, he's heard fucking Mudricks in 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 Poland, and he's he's on a mad one. Jack Steven says, "Do we need cover in the midfield area?" Not urgently. Well, firstly, I reject the word cover. Unfortunately, Jack, um, I th- as I've always said, three 0 Brighton. <laughs> as I've always said, I find the concept of cover weird because I think like. I think basically it's like, right, so party's out. And then people, people always talk about all oh, the party replacement or the party backup or whatever it is. Don't sign a party backup. Only Man City can do that. Like the only Man City can have Rodri and Calvin Phillips. Like that, and 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 they can play to a, you know, I, I think Rodri's better than Calvin Phillips, but can have someone who's of the requisite standard. We can't do that. We're not in a financial position to do that. We can't afford those kind of wages. So I think what we need to do is find different solutions. Then it's like, how many solutions do we have in the midfield area? I would argue, I think we need another solution in there. I think, you know, Declan Rice looks looks good, but I think that would mean Partey would have to move on. But I think ultimately what would have to be would would be perhaps we switch to more of a double pivot out of possession. Um, perhaps Sinchenko uh, slotting in there or Ben White coming in further in, into there. If we're looking at ball progression, if we, it depends what we need in the game. If, if, it Partey's depends so who's good out because, as well. Yeah, but, but but what I'm saying, say say we have the team, but Partey's out. So like, okay, right. So Partey brings us what? It brings us interceptions. He gets the ball back off off people. He gets us forward. He have got a re- real ball progression problem without him on the pitch. Then it's like okay, so who can we get in there? Who is a ball progressor? And that might mean we have to look to the market. It might mean we have to look to. Um, different options in there, whether it's we move around, as I say, move around Zinchenko or White, or move around um, 
you know, Erdegaard, drop them a little bit deeper into a pivot with Jack and put someone in ahead of them, maybe put Vieira ahead of them in a, a more central position. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm not saying I have the answer. I'd be interested in, in, in seeing them. But the answer to me is not to sign a lesser version of Partey who comes in and only plays when Partey's unavailable. I, I just don't see that as a sustainable thing for Arsenal. And I don't see that as a sustainable thing as a football club, I think what we need to do is to have a number of solutions to solve problems. And the, the thing is, is Partey solves a lot of problems on his own. That's why he's so good. The question is, how do we solve those problems when Partey is out? And that's and that's more the question that I'd ask. I don't think this is a January issue, though, because I think that you, there's no there's no value in in. I, I like. I think the for me the solution would be. Is it uh, is Declan Rice because I think that what you could do with Declan Rice is have him play at eight, um, probably where Jack is playing, um, in slightly a bit more of a reserved version of that of that role, and have him play six, um, because Party is not young. Party, I think he, I think he's thirty. You know, and we have to be ready for that changeover. And I think that there's some smart business to be done that. Rice can come in, play at eight, play at six, and then take over. Um, but I, the only thing that I would be doing in January in terms of the midfield is a loan. And it would be if the right player came available, because I just don't see the... I don't, there's not a player right now that, that's screaming out perfect solution to this problem. Um, so I'm not, there's no point doing anything. Yeah, I'm not convinced on Rice at eight. Oh, I'd like to see it, um, and I think I think you could like if we signed him. I I don't think it would be a bad shout in certain games to to put him there. Um, I like what Jacker brings us in the forward areas, but also Rice gets forward more than people think. He's a he's a for me he's an all phases player in many senses. Um, question from. Oms AFC. I'd love to hear your thoughts on who you think the next academy player to enter the first team will be. I find the the Nanuari. Don't know how to say his name. Nanuari thing mm-hmm. weird because he made he makes his debut the youngest ever player to play in the Premier League, and I thought, okay, that's a clear. Um, statement from Mikel that's a clear statement from the club of you know look at 15 years old you can make your debut perhaps it was a thing of him saying of him signing a new deal with us um, instead of going to a City or a Chelsea or whatever I don't think you should do that with any I don't think any players worth putting them in the first team when they're not ready just because they're going to go to another club like I I, I don't see the point of that Um, I feel as though he might be the next one to really break through you know perhaps Butler or Deji or um you know someone like Lino Sousa might have some have some time I'm not really sure but or Patino come, coming back and, and could play some minutes you know all, all possible I think it, it's all it's, the problem is it's so circumstantial it depends whether the, the holes open up in the team and whether the player's ready at the right time but I just you know that all that question really made me think of was the Duaneri situation which I find a little bit weird that we haven't seen him around the team he wasn't in the Oxford squad someone said to me he might be doing his mock GCSEs which he may well have been doing um, but he can't have been doing his mock GCSEs forever 
Um, I don't know. I find that whole thing a little bit weird. I feel like there's something we don't know, though. It's about spaces as well, isn't it? Like, I don't see... With the with the options that we have uh, at the wings that we already know about, I don't see somebody that we don't already know about kind of breaking through there. Um, forwards, you're talking about Jesus and, and Ketia and then Balogun, three players that we already know about. I don't think we'll, we'll see somebody break out. As in, when we say it's important to define what we mean by this, and. Um, if we are talking about maybe a Patino or an and where I think midfield is going to be where it happens. It'll either be at six or at eight because I think on the wings we're so stacked with talent and we're looking at signing a wide player. So that gives you a clear indication on the prospects that we believe that we have at the club currently. Um, I think at centre-back we haven't seen anyone. You know, we haven't seen... Was it Rule Walters who played there a little bit at the yeah, yeah, start of the season? Or last season, oh, it was a pre-season, wasn't it? We've not seen him for a long time. We didn't see him against Oxford. Again, very, especially seeing as we have no left-sided centre-back cover, very telling in what we believe the ability to be, which is not ready. Maybe at right-back, depending on where we see Toby Asu's future, where we see Ben White's future, there's, you know, Brooke Norton Cuffey, who could come in and become part of that group. But I really don't see a clear path there. I, I think it will end up being um, one of the midfielders. Probably will be Patino, probably. Um, just because it seems that this Blackpool loan's going really, really well for him. And it, it would make sense to kind of try and integrate him into the first team upon his return. But I'm not... I, I, I am very much of the opinion I don't think we're going to... We've been so blessed with Saka and Smith-Rowe and Nketiah that I think we now have this opinion that we're going to consistently be breaking new hot prospects into the first team yeah. where we're more likely to loan them out and sell them for £5 million to Forest yeah. and we'll play Premier League Balligan. football there. That's, that's the, the, the path. Bal- Balligan the Balligan thing is interesting. Will, I think he'll probably be sold. Yeah. Because you... There's sense to giving him a two-year deal, uh, my, as my dog is telling me, um, <laughs> and and then loaning him to a Premier League club. But if that flops and he scores two goals, and his his stock, you have to sell, especially if you're planning to sell at some point when the stock is high. And right now, Balogun's stock is at an all-time high. We're in a good situation contractually, and there will be lots of clubs in the Premier League in the summer, interested in a player who's keeping up with Mbappe's scoring in France to the tune of 20, 30 million pounds. Definitely. And that's a really valid and understandable position to be in as a club. Like you look at Joe Willock, like he's not right for Arsenal at the moment and we got a good deal and he's doing well at Newcastle. And he's playing well. Yeah. Yeah, Everyone wins. Everyone wins. No, I think your dog just called you a nonce. Um, Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let's leave it there. We've been running for over an hour. Let's do Bradley, it. that was an absolute pleasure. I absolutely loved being back. Beautiful. Chatting waffle with you. Thank you so much, listeners, Chatting for uh, if you got this far. Um, we really appreciate you. Um, if I can push you to sign up for the Patreon, that would be absolutely lovely, but no pressure. If not, this main podcast Please. will always <laughs> will always be free. Uh, just the bonus stuff will be on the Patreon if you are interested. Right. Um, 
Big game tomorrow. Let's have a prediction mm-hmm. out of you, please, Bradley. 3-1. 2-0. Come on, the Arsenal. Thank you so much for listening to the Not Podcast. Uh, what do I say at the end? What do I, what do I normally say? Um, keep Thank it Diff so Knock. Keep it Diff Knock. Fucking hell. Keep it Diff Knock. And we'll see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the Different Knock, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. We're on all social media at Diff Knock. Thanks. Podcast Network.